the biggest challenge in our industry is really shifting to a consumer mindset. So this is something that I think was slowly happening. And to tell you the truth, COVID really accelerated that journey. Welcome to the Big Unlock Podcast, your leading source for insights and best practices on the digital transformation of healthcare. Join host Patty Patmanaban, CEO of Demo Consulting and best-selling author of Healthcare Digital Transformation, how consumerism, technology, and pandemic are accelerating the future in conversation with healthcare and technology leaders. Hello again, and welcome to this very special 75th episode of the Big Unlock podcast. It is my great privilege and honor to introduce my special guest today, Mona Bassett, VP of Digital Services at SCL Health. Mona, thank you for setting aside the time and welcome to the show. Thanks, Patty. So great to be here. You're most welcome. So Mona, maybe you can take a couple minutes to tell us very briefly about SCL Health and then uh, your role as VP of Digital engagement, what your responsibilities are, and who the role reports up into. Sure, I think that's a perfect place to start. So for those not familiar with SEL Health, we are a faith-based nonprofit healthcare system. We're based in the Denver metro area, and we primarily serve Colorado and Montana. So we really provide care across eight hospitals, more than 100 clinics, and areas such as home health and hospice, mental health and safety net services. So, you know, given that I joined SEL Health almost a year and a half ago, which at this point really almost seems like a lifetime ago with everything that's happened <laughs> since then. And my role as vice president of digital services was a newly formed position when I joined. And it is part of the information technology and digital services organization here at SEL Health. So I report to our chief information digital officer, but I really find that my role straddles a few different worlds. So technology, marketing, consumer experience and engagement, uh, even associate engagement and innovation. So I get to work with a lot of incredibly talented people across all of those areas. And just to give a, a little more specifics, my team primarily focuses on engagement and the technologies that help enable those experiences. So my team has responsibility for everything from our external website to our intranet site, digital marketing and automation platforms, application development, user experience, and some newer areas we've begun to explore and implement like chatbots and robotic process automation. And we find that when people have different ideas of things that they want to do or explore, oftentimes those ideas start with my team and then we can sort of assess them and figure them out and figure out how to move forward. Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, in fact, uh, increasingly when I speak with people who have similar titles as uh, yours, I find that the role is very interdisciplinary in nature. So it's not one thing, although the, the primary focus may be patient engagement and let's say marketing. The fact of the matter is that the role entails a lot of interdisciplinary skills and working across 
uh, the aisle with uh, different parts of the organization, technology being one of them, marketing, uh, patient engagement, contact centers, a whole range of other functions as well. Because that's really what uh, contributes towards a seamless, for creating a seamless patient experience. And unless you have that kind of an interdisciplinary approach, I guess it's uh, uh, it can show in the in the final experience for your uh, patients as well. So let's talk a little bit about you know the, your primary focus areas, which you which you described as uh, marketing, UI, UX, uh, chatbots, and those are more what we refer to these days as digital front door initiatives. So can you maybe walk us through in the last year and a half or so some of the initiatives that you've rolled out? especially in these areas, digital front door, marketing, digital patient engagement? Yeah, sure. So when I arrived at SCL Health, I would say we had a basic level of digital capabilities in place. You know, we have MyChart, external website, intranet. We had an older CRM instance. We had virtual care capabilities. And I think there was, there was really a lot of room for improvement to create that wonderful experience for patients and consumers, and even you know our own associates for that matter. So when I arrived, we quickly did an assessment of the current tools, and we did some basic customer journey mapping. And once that information was laid out, it was really easy to see where the gaps were and what we needed to put in place to fill some of those gaps. So we did some prioritization exercises and some mapping exercises uh, after you know, really generating some interesting ideas. And what we really wanted to do was be able to deliver an experience that was similar to what consumers are expecting in other industries like retail and travel and financial services. So we really organized the efforts into four work streams. So one of those work streams is customer relationship management. And in that area, we rolled out a new implementation of Salesforce Health Cloud mm-hmm. and Marketing Cloud. We just finished that up actually very recently. And we're also looking at call center tools and consumer contact center transformation. And underneath that work stream also, we are rolling out some different capabilities around automated communications to patients and consumers through text and email and phone. And then the second work stream is what we're calling digital workforce. And if you think about that area, it's really some of the automated tools and processes that we can put in place that sort of function automatically. So for example, a little bit about chatbots. Chatbots would fall in that area. So we've rolled out a few different types of chatbots focused on different capabilities so consumers and patients can get the answers they need right away without having to wait to talk to someone. We're also exploring some robotic process automation to help us become more efficient on the back end. And then the third work stream is really around associate tools. So currently we have a very large scale project underway to completely redesign, replatform our intranet site for our associates and our providers. So that will be rolled out mid-year. And also looking at just different ways to communicate amongst our associates, some HR focused tools and technologies. And then the final work stream 
we are focused on is consumer and patient experience. So this is where you find things like our external website, which we're constantly improving and updating. That's where you find my chart optimization. We rolled out a brand new provider directory to help people search for providers and schedule really easily. And this is also where we've been partnering with our innovation team to roll out a new consumer app that is actually rolling out next week. So we're super excited about that. It's going to give our patients and consumers a really nice streamlined way to access our services and information. That's quite a bit, and that's pretty comprehensive. And what you what you really described there, Mona, is a classic digital front door strategy. Well, you've covered pretty much all of the elements of uh, what I hear as a digital front door strategy. Now, uh, healthcare has traditionally been behind other sectors with regards to consumer engagement. In your role, what do you see as the big challenges in digital engagement and adoption? Because as you know, rolling out the technology, rolling out the tools is just the beginning. Making people use it, seeing them find the value of the tools, both internally and externally, that's really where the heavy lift is. So can you share some of your experiences in that regard? I could not agree with you more, Patty. (laughs) And I will say that healthcare no longer gets a pass on consumer experience. You know, people are comparing their experiences with healthcare to all of their best experiences in other industries, and they're expecting more now. And I think the biggest challenge in our industry is really shifting to a consumer mindset. So this is something that I think was slowly happening. And to tell you the truth, COVID really accelerated that journey. So, you know, for example, prior to COVID, you know, virtual care was available here, but it was really slow to be adopted by our providers and our patients alike. And when there was really no other option for care at certain points in this pandemic journey, we went from under 100 video visits a month to thousands and thousands of video visits pretty much immediately. Right. And I think that you know now both providers and patients have experienced sort of the new way of doing things. They can see the ease and convenience and the effectiveness, and they see that they can get things done, even in the healthcare space, in a virtual way. And I think that while we may not see the huge numbers that we saw at the very beginning when there really weren't other options for care, we will see this virtual care continue even after COVID isn't part of our, you know, every thought and conversation. And I would say that looking at sort of challenges of of getting things rolled out and, and keeping that consumer mindset as a technology organization for healthcare system, I find that our job is really to support that acceleration toward consumerism and really put on the table everything we know and everything we can learn to make that happen. So we have to take that knowledge and not only be technologists, but we also have to be salespeople and we have to be marketers to be able to show our internal stakeholders and our patients how much better it could be for them. Right. And you touched upon marketing. So let's drill into that just a little bit. What are some of the specific challenges that you see in when you put on your marketing hat in your role, especially in the era of uh, virtual care and, and digital engagement? And let me preface that by saying that I've 
in our work with other health systems and in all my conversations with other health systems, the website is something that is due for a refresh in a lot of cases. And I'm sure you've, you know, you've had your share of consolidating uh, the websites and upgrading them and putting in uh, more interactive tools and so on. What are some of the big challenges that you faced when it comes to preparing yourself for this emerging virtual care era that, that you just described? So a little bit of background. I essentially grew up in marketing from a career perspective, many years in consumer financial services. So for me, when I made that transition to technology a few years ago, the consumer was always the starting point and end point for me. There was never any other way to go. So we're really taking that approach and we're focused on how we can deliver care safely and effectively. We're offering more types of virtual care than ever before. And we're listening to consumers. We actually have a patient and family advisory council approach that we take. And we connect with these patients and their families regularly to really understand what they're going through, what their journey is, you know, how can we adapt to meet those needs? What additional engagement channels can we offer to really empower them to take control of their health journey? And I think so many things are involved in building that strong brand and, and that high level of consumer engagement is certainly key. And you talked about a, a digital front door strategy. I find the word or the phrase, you know, digital front door, an interesting one because it almost ex- suggests that there's just one door, but of course there's many doors. Yep. And yep. so, you know, our website is one of the digital doors. Our consumer app is one of those digital front doors. So we're really trying to provide options. And as we look at how our website functions, again, we're looking at how are consumers expecting to engage with us? What do they expect to find there? And we're trying to make improvements across the board so they can find information quickly, they can self-service, they can reach out to us if they need more help and just really giving them that full experience. Yeah. I just wanted to touch on one more topic while we're on this. You described a number of really high impact initiatives. You talked about the chatbots, the portals, the mobile app, a variety of things. Now, from a technology choice standpoint, where do you start? Do you start with the native capabilities that are available in your EHR system? Or do you start with a blank sheet of paper and you say, I'm going to look at what the best in class tools are out there, and I'm going to recommend and implement the ones that make the most sense from an impact standpoint? And what are the trade-offs? How have you dealt with this? Yeah, I think a little bit of both. So we have, as an organization, five strategic platforms that we focus on, and they really serve as that solid foundation for our work. So we have, you know, Epic as our EHR. We uh, use Google for communications within our organization. We have uh, Salesforce. We have an Oracle ERP that's going to be launching in April, and we have ServiceNow for internal types of requests. So we we try to start there, and in many cases, we we have to consider additional capabilities. Obviously, these are you know very foundational, but only do certain things, and we look at both. And so. We are looking at some guiding principles that we use when we're making technology choices. So we want to be sure that we make experiences easy and low effort. 
We want to focus on the user and their needs, not our processes. We want to leverage the smallest number of connected platforms that are needed because it's just much easier to manage. And we want to personalize experiences based on deep knowledge of our users. And we want to provide options to engage with us. So we start there. We start with our foundational platforms. And then when we decide to bring in other tools, sometimes we do bring in sort of those proven best in class, you know, big tech solutions. But we've brought in a lot of others that are more in startup mode. Mm-hmm. And they may ultimately become best in class. I think about some of the recent work we did to completely rebuild our provider directory on our website and all of the chatbot technologies we're introducing. So for those, we partnered with what I consider to be smaller, really innovative companies that are nimble and creative and just offer solutions that are very unique and also partner with us really well so we can almost co-develop solutions with them. And it, it's worked out great. When you talk about startups, right, there is obviously a yin and yang aspect to all of this. Just as they are innovative, they're nimble, and so on, they could also be very risky bets. And if, if they run out of money, for instance, from their venture capitalists, or for whatever reason, they lose their key individuals because they're a small team, the company could run into trouble. Have you ever had to plan for that kind of a situation, or have you had to actually live through one of those Thankfully, we have not, (laughs) but we do know that that is certainly a risk. And I think because that's a risk, these organizations are much more willing to partner with us to give us exactly what we need and really fitting into our budgets. And as a not-for-profit, we don't have huge budgets. (laughs) So I think it is a trade-off and we have not experienced anything yet, I'm knocking on wood right now, where we have uh, invested the time to implement and and the resource to implement, and then had an organization get bought by someone else or no longer be a functioning business. So we have not seen that yet, but we do understand that those are, you know, some of the risks you take. I do think that we have taken those risks and have been able to deliver some really interesting capabilities. So I'm pretty happy about that and, and proud that that we have really been able to partner with some great organizations to do so. That sounds great. Now, let's switch topics here and talk a little bit about data. A lot of these experiences and a lot of these uh, capabilities that you, that you describe, and especially from a marketing standpoint, everything's very, very data-driven, data-focused. How are you leveraging your internal data sets, you know, patient histories and so on, and how are you combining that with externally available data sets? You don't have to go into too much specifics if you don't want to, but at least at a conceptual level, what is the framework you're applying and what is the infrastructure you're investing in in order to harness the data, in order to really improve and deliver the kind of experiences that uh, the marketplace is not looking for? Yeah, data analytics is such an interesting topic these days, and we have so much data out there. And what do you do with it? And I would say it is truly at the heart of the work we do in digital engagement. Epic is our source of record for patient information. So don't try to recreate that. I know other organizations have sort of challenges with some of that, but we, we really leverage that data as much as possible so that we truly know our patients. We can customize communications and touch points to them. 
And I will say that in any digital project we have launched, the data piece takes the longest. It's the most complex. It requires a lot of thought about data models and and how integrations are going to work. For our recent CRM implementation, we spent a lot of time, the majority of the time, building the right data model and integrations just to ensure that we always have that most accurate recent data available to help engage with our patients. Because if that information is not correct, (laughs) then you are not engaging in a way that patients find useful. We are working on a similar project around expanding some automated communications to patients like those who are discharged from the hospital. And again, that data, we're spending a lot of time to make sure it is perfect so that the messages we're sending make sense and are relevant. Interesting, interesting. So when you talk to your peers across other health systems in similar roles, what are you coming across as some of the best practices? Can you share one that you've either adopted from one of your peers, or can you share one that one of your peers may adopt from your own experience? As I sort of look at what some of my most innovative peers are doing at other health systems, I've seen some really interesting implementations and tools. And I think, you know, of course, COVID is top of mind. And some of those COVID-related innovations have been pretty incredible. You know, everything from vaccine management to screenings and but one of the things I've, I've seen more and more health systems working on is really delivering on that consumer app approach, what might be called a, one of the digital front doors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and certainly they're doing a great job at that. I think the best ones are really addressing what I think one of the biggest challenges is in building a robust consumer app is having a plan for how any new capabilities including those that might be offered by many different vendors, are brought together seamlessly for the consumer in a single native app. So as we talked a little bit before, sometimes your foundational platform just can't deliver everything and you're going to have to go outside of that and bring in other capabilities. But how do you make that invisible to the consumer so that they feel that they are just dealing with one organization, one tool, and they're able to see everything. So my peers who are doing that well are really impressive to me because I think it's hard to do. I think as far as other best practices go and you know something we're exploring and, and we hope to make a best practice is really the use of artificial intelligence in patient engagement. And you know when a consumer or patient doesn't need to talk to a person, and in many cases, they don't want to. They just want to be able to get things done themselves using chatbots and other artificial intelligence. And that's, you know, it's a good thing for them. So we really try to leverage some of that and roll things out quickly, especially early on in COVID. So we rolled out a chat that would allow people to learn more about COVID, take a risk assessment. It really, I think, reduced the anxiety that consumers had about COVID and reduce the number of anxious phone calls that that came into our care sites and our clinics. And we've used some similar technology to screen associates before work for COVID symptoms to keep them safe and, and our patients safer. And, you know, recently launched some additional chatbot technology on our website to be able to answer very key 
questions and, and information that consumers and patients have. And, you know, we can change that on a daily basis. If we find that people are asking yeah. a lot about vaccines, for example, we can, yeah. we can update that. So we hope that will, will become a best practice going forward. One final question on this, you know, you, you've got all these different technologies. There isn't a single platform where you're getting everything. You know, this is not like a digital health ERP for want of a better term. So you are really assembling best-in-class tools either from your from your uh, systems of record like your EHR platforms or standalone tools and essentially integrating them all together to create this experience. In this process, do you primarily rely on externally developed solutions for assembling this whole experience? Are there pieces that you take complete ownership? Or for instance, the mobile piece, do you do that internally and then have all of the embedded components uh, behind the scenes come from different sources? Or are you really looking at buying it all off the shelf? Where in that continuum are you? Yeah, so I think I think it's a little bit of both and sort of a hybrid. So for example, with our CRM implementation, clearly we purchased a solution for that. We implemented that solution and going forward, our internal team sort of takes that over and maintains it and enhances it similar to what we'll be doing with our new consumer mobile app. So we partnered with an organization to help us build that from scratch. And then we will be taking on the maintenance, the enhancements going forward. So I think it's a little bit of both. I think in some cases it makes sense for us to be able to have the autonomy to to build on a, a platform and, and be able to be very flexible with improvements, enhancements in many cases. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of those insights. It's very exciting stuff, uh, what you're doing, Mona. And, and uh, I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there for today. We've run out of time on our podcast, but I'm looking forward to following all of the work that you do. And once again, thank you so much for sharing all of that uh, with our listeners. Thanks. I really enjoyed the conversation. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can reach us at info at thebigunlock.com with your feedback and questions. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partner, Powbox. Secure email for modern healthcare right out of the box.